The singing guitar. The singing guitar. Twelve guitarists. Twelve guitarists. Twelve guitarists. Twenty-six singers. Twenty-six singers. Twenty-six singers and a cellist in new work. In new works. In new works by four American composers. Exploring the unique connection of voices and strings. On this episode of The Singing Guitar, one of today's most influential voices in choral conducting, Craig Hella Johnson bringing an unparalleled depth of knowledge, artistic sensitivity, and rich imagination to his programs, the Grammy-winning founder and artistic director of Conspirare, Craig Hella Johnson, has assembled some of the finest singers in the United States to commit and create dynamic choral art. Conspirare is at the heart of the singing guitar, and we're honored to have Craig Hella Johnson here with us to discuss this amazing recording. Hi, Craig. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Max. It is so great to be with you. Craig, John Corleano wrote, I believe that Craig Hella Johnson has understood my music in a way that I have never experienced before. He is a great musician who understands everything about the music he conducts. That was an incredibly special expression from John, man. That, that meant so much to me. I had just conducted his big Dylan Thomas trilogy. At that time, it was this very large three-movement symphonic choral work, which now I think has a prologue, might even have an epilogue. But at that time, he'd been away from that piece for a long time. We had a really extraordinarily rich connection through that piece and those performances, and that was indeed special. composer and arranger, and in addition to serving as artistic director of Conspirare, you're also the music director of the Cincinnati Vocal Arts Ensemble and conductor emeritus of the Victoria Bach Festival. Prior to this, you also served as artistic director for Chanticleer. As an active educator, teaching nationally and internationally with professionals and students, you also direct graduate and undergraduate programs in choral conducting and frequently speak at regional and national choral conferences and associations. Tell us a bit about when and how you got started in music and singing. I grew up in northern Minnesota. My dad was a preacher. And so all the music that I played around with was so much in the church, you know, and the church for me was a big playground. It was so different than many people's experience early on for me. I, you know, we had a pretty big church, the physical building, and I would run up and down those aisles and just sing at the top of my lungs. And the first time I got to sit at the mighty organ, that was so thrilling. Started out as a pianist, and kind of a sweet memory for me, Max, is my wonderful piano teacher up in northern Minnesota, Margaret Damberg. My very first recital piece that I ever played in anything in public was called Singing Fingers. I just recently, I was in an interview, a national interview that I just did a shout out. Hey, if anybody knows that piece of music, can you tell me where to find it? And I got three copies sent to me. That's the great thing about spreading the word. So it's kind of always been about singing for me. How to express both literally just in song, but also that deep yearning we all have, whether we're musicians or not, to express our lives, to let it be that we have some way of singing from our deepest parts of ourselves. 
It was really a painful experience for me to learn how to read notes when I was a kid. It was all about the ear and just listening to the radio and banging it out on the piano. And gradually over time, you find a path and ended up having a whole lot of music school time and training and kept up with piano a long time, but was always singing all the way through. And then when I was starting to head to grad school, I was thinking about orchestral conducting as my path. just kind of hit me that I had been singing my whole life and why was I sort of avoiding the very thing that I, was so central to my life which was choir. So yeah I made a decision to really devote myself to this choral art and it's been a great joyful journey ever since. There's something about people singing together that has always moved me at my core. I just think it's a thrilling thing when we take breath together and it does feel like still in this day and age it's one place in this world that we can very simply say we are together when we take a common breath and make a sound together. discuss your signature collage style. This part of your work reminds me a lot of what Conspirare is all about. Is this idea behind Conspirare an outgrowth of your collage style? I never really set out to do collage work. That was an outgrowth of just kind of the way I was experiencing the world. All these sort of categories we place things in and you know I remember really grappling with the whole idea of sacred and secular. Of course, on the surface, it's a very easy thing to understand, and sacred music comes from religious traditions, etc., and secular does not. But it, just to use that word sacred in such a sort of surface way was unsettling to me. So I think so much of my experience in that was just kind of straddling between these secular love songs, too, that actually could be considered sacred expressions, too, if you just flip them on their head a little bit. Same thing with classical music, art music, and folk music. I just wanted to play within that. That's kind of how this came about. It was born inside of this part of me that just loves to improvise too, so always playing around. So music was always play for me too, and exploration. So I think that's how that collage thing approached. On Sparari itself, so many of the ideas that we play with in our programming and in our presentation and style have to do with going between dualities, us being shuttle diplomats sort of between regions of ideas and trying to explore where we find truth in human experience in the paradoxes and not necessarily in these black and white categories. Singers fly in from all over the country to work with you and Conspirare, steadily adding new works to the repertoire, and the group has significantly contributed to why people love Austin. Yeah, we've had a ball. You know, it was when I first moved to Austin, I pitched this idea to a few people. It was very, very strange and outlandish that we would bring in singers from all over the place. It took a while, some persuading and influencing to really have anyone think that would work. I was really going for a certain type of singer who would both bring, of course, a wonderful instrument, great experience and training and sensitivity as artistry and courage as an artist, but also just human beings who were generous and responsive. So we began 
Yeah, and, and I think once the singers came together and people heard what that could be like and the level of artistry that could happen, then everyone jumped on board. And now we couldn't go backwards if we tried, you know, because people have kind of adopted, Austin has adopted these singers, which has been really, really beautiful to see that evolution. So I think we've seen that grow and develop over the years. What's been really exciting also is we were trying to put a stake in the ground to say we want to compensate singers, professionalize the field more, because all these singers who had this extraordinary experience and training, but then nowhere to go with it after all that. And there just was not a culture that supported singers at that level consistently. And so we've seen a big change nationally, and we're so happy and proud to have been a part of that because we've seen these groups springing up all over. So there are several, if not many, cities in the country that boast a professional choir like this where there's the singers come from around the nation so it's been an extraordinary part of our musical journey to develop this sort of national roster Now you've been quoted as saying, from the moment I read through these extraordinary scores by Nico Muley, Kyle Smith, and Rena Esmail, I sensed that they would likely be experienced most fully and beautifully as recordings. How was the idea of the singing guitar born? I love the sound world that these composers have created. The singing guitar as a project began first with the extraordinary piece by Nico Muley, How Little You Are. I had pitched this idea to Kathy Panoff, who was then with Texas Performing Arts, a presenting series here in Austin, and Matt Hinsley, who's with Austin Classical Guitar. I said, could we play with this idea of, like we have antiphonal choirs, think about St. Mark's in Venice and the great choirs that would sing back and forth from the balconies. that with Nico, this kind of texture play, it's a musical conversation. It took some time evolving, but it ended up at this place where we have 12 guitars, or really three guitar quartets, and one choir of voices. This was really a new sound world, you know, we just hadn't heard anything quite like this. Nico did a beautiful job finding his way into this, and writing not just for guitar, which has its own stylistic and technical opportunities and challenges, but also for guitar ensemble and guitarists who are playing at a very high level. You know, these are virtuoso players. So I love what he's created and I still stand by it. It's a wonderful piece in performance, but in recording itself, I think people can really hear the small gestures within the texture and the nuance. So I have a real dream about this piece being placed into art installations where it might be like a small black box type theater with extraordinary audio equipment, great speakers, just high end, where someone can sit even alone, one or two people perhaps, uh, in this space and create a visual installation for this as well. Whether that's photographic images, film or animation or a combination of. I just encourage people to really sit quietly with this in order to really take in this soundscape. But that's how we got started. And so Nico's piece was first, and then 
When we got closer to the recording, about a year, year and a half out, I started having conversations with Kyle Smith, a wonderful composer in Philadelphia with whom I've worked on a number of projects and I admire and love his music. And then Rena Esmail, whose music I love also and who's a really up and coming potent voice in our field and asked them if they would consider creations for this project. The Dawn's Early Light, Kyle Smith's wonderful piece for guitar quartet and voices. It's a very special piece. It tells a great story told by this narrator. At the center of this multi-movement work is a beautiful setting of the text of the Star-Spangled Banner, the United States National Anthem. This isn't an arrangement of the National Anthem. This is original music completely and utterly. There is something about its placement within this piece that comes through so powerfully and speaks so powerfully in that moment. I remember when we sang this both in rehearsal and performance and then also in the recording sessions, it was the last thing we recorded and we just felt so rooted and grounded as we sang this very deep, passionate, abiding anthem. So it's wonderfully timely as we feel so challenged in this nation feeling torn apart at times in many ways and to be able to sing the text of this extraordinary anthem with new music in new intervals, new melodies, beautiful new setting for choir. It's really great. The piece itself, too, and the other movements display so much guitar virtuosity. This is some fine guitar writing and fine guitar playing and highlights the virtuosic playing of the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet. wasn't able to create a new piece, but no matter, it was actually worked out beautifully because she had a piece called When the Violin, which was set to a Hafez poem in one of those beautiful, vibrant translations by Daniel Ladinsky. And so she had set that, but she had a thought that maybe it could work for guitars. So she explored that, talked to Bill Kennengeiser, who's one of the members of the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet. They got together in Los Angeles and really discovered that this was going to be an amazing piece for guitar quartet and voices. So that's how this all came about. This text is very much about forgiveness and opening to the music, our own individual music, but also opening ourselves. When we open our hearts, the guitar starts singing. There's a sense of the singing spirit that happens when we can be open to forgiveness, open to one another, really receive each other in love. And so it felt like the perfect piece to begin this CD with. It's the first track on the CD. I just love that this particular piece by Rena is the welcome, is the invitation. So it's a beautiful work. Quick.
Craig, then we come to your piece, The Song That I Came to Sing, written in 2019. This is a setting of a poem from Bengali writer, poet, composer, painter, and Nobel laureate Tagore. to start very very simply because the guitar writing too in any context even as the guitars are mic'd it's a delicate texture still we come from the loud streets and highways and busy lives with lots of loud noises in our modern world so i wanted that audience member to have a chance to sort of transition so it was very practical that i wanted to write this short piece but i also wanted to lean into this idea of yearning and longing and the song that i came to sing is yet unsung is how this text goes so the sense of unfulfilled longing unfulfilled purpose in a life which you know i would say venture to say at some point or many points in life we all feel in different ways and so i I wanted to connect up as humans in that first moment too just in this concert setting so there's just a cello repeating pattern in ostinato that continues throughout the piece and this sort of it's a chant really for treble voices to sing about this sense of unfulfilledness. Craig Hella Johnson, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's a joy to be with you, Max. Thank you so much. <laughs>